hello and welcome to another episode of the Transform Sales Podcast. Today, I am so excited. I have Cole Gordon here with me. How are you, Cole? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Let me tell you a bit about Cole. He started out by being one of the top closers in the high ticket industry, having sold over $10 million in online coaching, consulting, and agency deals within a few years of his career. He scaled his own consulting company to over eight figures in less than 18 months. He now builds, trains, and consults on the sales teams where there are hundreds of seven and eight figure companies at closers.ai. He's worked with teams that have been a part of Tony Robbins, Frank Kern, and Alaric Heck, among many others. So Cole, tell us, how did you start your career and how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, so I was originally set off to try to do kind of the medical school track and I ended up dropping out of that, starting a company and kind of stumbled around a little bit, eventually kind of fell into doing an agency, wasn't very good at that, but I was kind of, in my mind at least, thought I was good at sales. So I ended up stopping my agency, doing sales full time, and at first was like the worst salesperson on the team, then eventually kind of put in a lot of work to the point to where essentially I was one of the best people on the team and maybe even in my industry. And then I eventually started my own sales coaching business, which really turned into a recruiting business within a year. And, you know, since that time, that was in 2019, you know, now we're doing about two and a half million a month and uh, looking to grow even bigger. So tell me when you decided to drop off the medical school track, was that when you were in undergrad? Were you already in medical school? Tell us about how. No, I just, I just graduated and I was applying for uh, internships, graduate schools, stuff like that. And kind of mid applying, I just sort of decided to stop. I just knew that I was not making the right decision. Yeah, there was some sort of gut feeling there. So I am a recovering chemist. And um, mm. when I went into college, I actually went into college to be a doctor. And uh, probably about two years and I was like, yeah, I don't want to do this. And then when I graduated, I was like, oh, I'm going to get a PhD in chemistry. And I was like, yeah, no, I don't want to do this. So yeah. I do think that having that aha early in life set us up to really change how things go in our career. Yeah, I 100% agree. So you said you were in the agency world. Tell us a little bit more about how that was and why you decided that that wasn't what you wanted to do. Yeah, I mean, so I, I really was kind of like trying to buy courses and sort of figure out what I wanted to do online. You know, I was trying to I knew there was some way to like make money on the internet, but I didn't know like what that way was. So I was kind of like stumbling along, I, you know, at first I was kind of trying to blog and then I eventually bought this course. And one of the things that taught you in that course was to be able to start an agency. And so I was like, okay, that's interesting. And so I was like, well, I'm going to do that. And I learned Facebook ads. So I kind of learned this skill and I was like, oh, I really want to use this skill. And so, you know, I started doing Facebook ads for like, uh, coaches and consultants and e-commerce businesses. And I took on a few clients here and there, but I was just terrible at it. Like I just was so inexperienced. I wasn't really good. I was taking on the wrong clients who I couldn't help even if I wanted to. And yeah, I mean, I could just go on and on and on, but I was, it was terrible. You know, it was a valiant effort, but I was not very good. And honestly, even at the time, I wasn't very good at the sales either, but I guess it was the only thing I was even like successful at all that like I was bad at everything but I was the least bad at that so I kind of had described my identity to like oh okay like this sales thing is my thing you know and so then I got into full-time sales and I realized like oh man I'm actually pretty bad at this as well but you know 
I ended up working really, really hard and getting some coaches and investing in myself and, and really like just doubling down and, and making it work. And, you know, eventually it turned into a really, really phenomenal salesperson. So you mentioned a couple of times that you were bad at sales. You weren't really doing that well in the agency world. What does bad mean to you? Well, I mean, in sales or like in the business in general? In both. Well, I just didn't have the skills. I didn't have any of, I didn't have anything. So like, you know, I've heard Alex Hermosi. I don't know if he created this, but he's the one I heard it from. He talks about, I think it's beliefs, skills, and character traits, right? And so if you look at all those, well, I didn't have any skills. You know, if you're going to run a business, you got to have a lot of skills. You got to know marketing, you got to know sales, you got to know fulfillment, you got to be able to get results for your clients, you got to be able to run operations, you got to be able to do finance. I mean, there's, there's several different business disciplines and business skills. And uh, I didn't have any of those. Like I was a complete beginner, right? And that was part of the appeal of sales is just focusing on one skill. And so skill-wise, you know, was really a beginner. Character traits wise, like back then I was pretty undisciplined. I thought I was disciplined, but I really wasn't. I just, you know, was I great at planning? No. Was I great at getting stuff done? No. I procrastinated a lot. I still drank too much. I was young. I'd go out and party and feel like shit for three days. My sleep schedule was all the effed up and I go to bed at different times every night or wake up at different times every day. And so you know, I was working out and I was somewhat healthy, but I really wasn't disciplined in, in any sort of way. And so I didn't really have the character traits necessary. I was immature, right? So I didn't really have the character traits necessary to succeed at that time. Then on top of that, you know, beliefs. So did I have really beliefs that were conducive to the success I wanted to? No, I had tons of limiting beliefs. I, you know, I just didn't know what I didn't know as a beginner. So, you know, what really helped me with sales was I was able to focus on one skill, get really good at that one skill. And I was able to kind of be a part of teams and I was be, be able to be a part of uh, good companies and companies that were growing very quickly. And in doing so, it really helped me kind of see what was possible out there. And I think for anybody who was trying to get started, you know, man, going to work for a company who's just doing big things in your industry, I think you can't go wrong with that, man. So, hmm. Thank you so much for that deep dive into the things that you felt were holding you back. You were honest with yourself and you said, I'm just not really good at this. And a lot of times people don't do that. They don't say like, no, I just, I need help. Right. And so you stopping and realizing the things that were holding you back, that was really your cry for help in the business world to say, I need a coach. I need to be developed. And if I want to get really, really good at this, I have to invest in myself. So you mentioned that you invest in some coaching. Tell us how investing in yourself and investing in coaching really helped form your sales career. Mm -hmm. Well, part of it, honestly, I think is just a commitment because when you invest in coaching, you're doing it to get some sort of result. And the very form of just investing in the coaching, even before you start the coaching in and within itself, is sort of like a commitment to the universe, so to speak, that like you're, you know, you're putting action and you're putting effort and you're putting commitment into the universe to be able to create the reality you want for yourself. So I think right away, I mean, that helps, you know, but oh, with sales in particular, if you're going to get good, you have to have, I mean, I don't think there's anybody who is phenomenally good and didn't have any sort of coaching. I mean, there, there probably is some, but the fastest way to get very, very good is to find people who are better for you and have them review your sales calls or your sales meetings or what have you, right? Like, it's just the same way as if you look at sports development, 
and sports performance, the fastest way to get good is to look at game tape and to be able to also look at game tape of people who are doing way better than you. So if you read the inner game of tennis, that's one of the big things it talks about is really the importance of being able to see and visualize what a proper performance looks like and also look at your own performance so you can autocorrect what's good, what's bad, what's right, what's wrong, you know, et cetera. It's the small tweaks, right? It's not trying to climb the largest mountain in a day. It's really like, okay, what's the first thing I need to do? I need to tweak this one little thing. Then I get much better at this one thing and now I can conquer the next thing. And one thing that I see with a lot of salespeople, business owners, whoever it is, they get so overwhelmed by all of the things they feel like they have to fix right now that it stops them from fixing anything. It stops them from developing themselves at all. I would agree. So you became this amazing salesperson. Tell us what was that, that moment, that time, that period of your life where things just started clicking and how did you get to the point where things were just clicking and you were rocking and rolling? Yeah. I mean, it was a couple of things, right? Number one is I started to really come into my own in terms of, yeah, I just got my shit together. I mean, like I, I went from really not being disciplined, like I said, to really treating it like almost like a professional sport. So I was waking up at the same time every day, going to bed at the same time every night. I was eating well, I was sleeping well, I was staying hydrated. I was doing all of those things, right? So that in and within itself, and honestly, the main thing was just going to bed at the same time every night and waking up at the same time every day and having a good morning routine. Like, I know that sounds so basic, but that really allowed me to have consistent energy because that's what I really struggled with in the early days is I just, my energy would just be all over the place, you know, because I'd be just... Out doing stupid stuff. So that was the first thing. I know that's not simple, but man, like that really made a huge difference. The second thing would be my sales philosophy got quite good. And uh, at the time too, you know, I had a sales coach who I was really being micromanaged by because I was the lowest performer on the team. And once they let him go and I was able to sort of like breathe a little bit and be more present on my calls and not as like worried about, uh, tactically getting every single thing right or like you know he would like listen to my calls and slack me during the calls of exactly what to say and all of these things so like once that was gone that was the other thing kind of at the same time where really I just started doing a lot better because I just wasn't being pressed down on or micromanaged like crazy and so there was that and then you know with my sales philosophy I started to realize that sales is a lot about objection prevention not objection handling and so there's seven beliefs the prospect needs to have to buy, paying down costs, desire, money, support, trust. And I was realizing that the best way to convert prospects was to use Socratic dialogue and asking the right questions to sort of break down those limiting beliefs and re-empower or rebuild the empowering seven beliefs they need to have to buy before you transition to the close. And in doing so, you can create an objectionless close where instead of having to hard close the prospect, the prospect closes themselves. So... Hopefully that makes sense. But yeah, I mean, once I really figured that out and I started to get good at the discovery and the way I was asking questions and building consistency, it helped out quite a bit. I just love when, you know, you're, you're talking to that prospect and they're like, yeah, yeah, I, I need this. I, I want this. And you don't even have to do that hard sell. And it sounds like that is really um, a facet of what you are talking about. I want to dip down, double down on that management piece a bit because... We talk a lot about 
having good managers, having bad managers. And something that I firmly believe is people leave managers, they don't leave companies. And you mentioned that once that one variable was removed, it really helped you feel like, okay, I can do this. I don't have somebody breathing down yeah. my throat. Well, for context is like the dude was a really good guy. I think what was happening is his manager was pressing down so hard on him and his balls are on the line. And so I was one of the lower performers and like he was pressing super hard down on me. It was just was this kind of vicious cycle. When in reality, like in hindsight, I can say this, the leads were really bad. And at the time, <laughs> I had no idea the leads are bad. I just knew like, these are my leads. Like I was like, whatever, I'm just gonna, I would never even think twice about it. But like in hindsight, you know, I'm like, okay. And like when I was talking to people who had like no pre-framing of who we are, but, but you know, whatever, I, I got good that way. So I don't really think it was like he was a bad manager or a bad guy. And I think he was a great salesperson and even a great sales teacher. I learned a lot from him. You know, even I still use today. I just think that it was this micromanaging so hard and like listening to my calls and like telling you, oh, say this during the actual call. And it like puts you up in your head and you're afraid of making a mistake. And then you're just like, it was really, really, really bad. So you kind of got to let people have their own sort of room to breathe without a ton of micromanaging. Mm, yes, it's, it comes from the top. It's not necessarily your frontline manager's fault. And many times they don't get any training or development. They're just told to go lead and they have to answer to their boss. Their boss has to answer a board. And so it just flows throughout the organization. So you took all of these amazing things that you learned, all of these amazing things that you did, and you decided that you were going to plant your own seed, do something a little bit different. So tell us about your organization. Yeah, I mean, so we're a sales recruiting and training company. Basically, we work with coaches, consultants, and agencies, done-for-you service providers, and even SaaS companies if they're high ticket. And what we do is we help them build internal sales teams. So really, the best way to look at it is we're a staffing company so they can get outbound or inbound salespeople from us. So, you know, in the SaaS world, that could be called, you know, MDRs, SDRs, or AEs, or, you know, what have you. But setters, closers, they get them from us. We actually give them, we have a database of probably about 200 to 300,000 salespeople and we run a ton of traffic and we also have a certification program where we're bringing up and grooming salespeople. So we kind of tap into that database. And then from there, you know, we staff the companies. Then once we give them the salesperson, we continue to consult them on helping them train the salesperson on actually how to run their sales team and sales management and their systems and their processes and really all of that stuff. And we'll even kind of eventually turn that into consulting them on their entire company as a whole, right? Like helping them with lead generation or fulfillment or scaling or, you know, whatever they want help with, right? That's kind of like the next step that we convert people into. And there's a mastermind element along with that. But it really starts with the staffing and then we sort of progress it from there. So that's like kind of the best description of what we do. Do you, what was your crew inspiration to start this company like this? Because it sounds like it's something very different. Well, yeah, I mean, to be honest, like there was really no inspiration. I left this company I was selling for. I had no idea what I wanted to do. And overwhelmingly, most people who knew who I was, knew who, how talented I was, said you should really like start a business. And I was like, oh, okay. And I don't know. I thought about partnering with somebody and just doing the sales team. That was kind of like what I thought I'd be. Oh, I'll be good at that, whatever. But, you know, a lot of folks were like, no, you should start your own thing. You're super talented. You could have an offer. And I was like, okay, you know, I'll start my own thing, take on a few side clients, make some money and like, whatever, right? Like, uh, you know, because at the time, 
I also felt like I left the top sales company in my industry. And now there's bigger and better sales companies for sure. But back then I do believe they were the top sales company in the industry. So I really didn't know where I was going to go. Like I was like, well, there's no other bigger company I can go to or better company or one where I'm going to make more money. And so I kind of was like, I started it just out of having no other option to be quite candid. And so, yeah, I made that move. And when I started, I just started doing one-on-one sales coaching. And then what happened was I just kind of always knew And I was always getting asked about where people could find good salespeople, or if I knew where to find good salespeople, or how do I find good salespeople? And so that along with one of the top, you know, at the time at least, I believe to be kind of the top sales trainers in the space was a recruiter. And so like all of those things all together kind of led me to be like, yeah, the recruiting is the way right? In which I'm going to be able to scale this company and get this off the ground. Because I knew it would work off paid ads. There's a lot of considerations there. So that, you know, I was really listening to the market more than anything else. Hmm. And starting a business, I know you had your agency in your much younger days, and then you worked for a corporation. What were some of the, the challenges and how did you overcome those as you were creating this new business that you're in today? Well, the first challenge is figuring out what the hell you're doing. So What that means is, first of all, like, what are you selling? Who are you selling it to? How are you selling it? And how are you fulfilling it? And what you're really looking for at the end of that phase is number one, having a validated offer, which you've sold a dozen or so times that has a scalable fulfillment system and a scalable, repeatable way to present it on the phone or present it in some sort of a sales context to a specific person that solves a specific problem for them a specific way, right? But that is kind of the first step. The second step is figuring out how you're going to generate leads. Okay. So it's like, how do we generate interest consistently, predictably, scalably? Number two, how do we convert that interest into clients? So it's kind of two things, right? In terms of generating the interest, what I see in my industry is it's primarily through paid traffic, which sucks, but that's what it is. You know, it's either paid traffic or people can get away with having really big organic or YouTube followings. That's amazing. But not everybody, especially starting off, has that and it takes a while to build. So it's something people got to kind of build on the side before it could become their front end thing. So a lot of it is like kind of thinking like, how do I get on paid ads as, as quick as possible? Or some sort of outbound, like outbound DMs or outbound cold email or stuff like that. But that tends to be a little bit more difficult as well. I think paid ads, even though it's hard, is probably the easiest way to get going. And then uh, once you figure that out too, you got to figure out how do I create a consistent diagnostic and prescription process to essentially convert the interest I've generated into a prospect. So another way is like, how do I create a repeatable and predictable sales process, right? The same way is like the same doc, you know, the doctor who discovered Lyme disease can't be the only person that can diagnose Lyme disease, right? Mm -hmm. So there has to be a repeatable, consistent diagnostic and prescription process. And uh, not having that is called founder syndrome, right? Like the belief that only I can sell my thing. So you have to have those two things in place. Once you have those two things in place, that's what I call the optimal selling system. So you have a validated offer, you know how to generate leads, you know how to convert the leads. Really that is going to take you over seven figures for sure. Probably all the way to 200, 300 grand a month in most service-based businesses. And then really the next step is is revamping your product so there's more scale because usually your product breaks at that point. Mm -hmm. It's exposed. And so you got to revamp your product, make it more scalable, fill the holes, you know, take customer feedback, make it better. Then the next phase after that is putting the foot on the gas, scaling as hard as possible, and really just focus on being a full-time manager and using your time and energy to cultivate people on your team. 
Mm. And so as you're cultivating those people on your team, you're going to start to get leaders that kind of emerge. And then you want to bring up those leaders and teach them how to start leading the team so you can start getting your time back and getting more of your time back. And then once you start getting more and more of your time back, that time you get back usually has to go back into innovation of your company. Mm. I view that as the sort of sequence of challenges, so to speak, given in a very short time frame. Mm, that's good. That was really, uh, you just gave us a, a mini masterclass on really starting, scaling, and growing um, a business as a, a small business owner, really, and thinking about the facets uh, that you said, like the marketing, the actual product offering, the scalability, and understanding that as you grow, like what they say, more money, more problems. As you grow, you have to change. You have to redirect. You have to do this or you have to do that. Yeah. So in your career, in your life, share with us a something personally or professionally that has really impacted the way that you lead. Yeah, I would say the biggest thing is, you know, one thing that's really impacted I, how I lead is I kind of came up through, you know, my third sales job that I had, I was really, really successful. And I was under a really, really strong leader who, you know, was uh, very, you know, his leadership style was very rooted in, you know, John Maxwell and some other influences that he had had. And he was a really strong leader. And I learned a lot of great things from him. But like any sort of um, company you're a part of or leader that you've been led by before you start your own thing, what you kind of take an inventory of is like, the things that you like about that leadership style or that company, and also the things that you would do differently if you could. And so really being led by somebody who was a great leader, I learned a lot of stuff in terms of how to lead, but I also kind of took inventory of some stuff that here's some things that I would change when I'm in that seat and it's my turn, right? Mm. And, and that's kind of helped me create my own unique leadership style. Mm. Well, Cole, thank you so much for sharing your time, your talent, and your expertise with us today. If people want to get in contact with you, what is the one best way? Yeah, Closers.io is our site, Closers.io. So I think that's a good place for them to check us out. Awesome. Well, thanks again for all of your time. And that was another episode of the Transform Sales Podcast. Please be sure to leave a review. Let us know what you liked. Until next time, in everything you do, transform your sales.